You're listening to the Canadian Investor Protection Fund podcast channel. Here we connect with industry leaders and experts in the financial sector. The COVID-19 pandemic has changed the concept of a workplace. Before this global health crisis, working from home was a choice for many employees, perhaps once or twice a week. This choice, however, has become a necessity. Organizations had to move to a virtual workplace for all employees and did not have many days to prepare. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CIPF podcast series, Investor Protection in Times of Crisis. I'm Ilana Singer, Vice President and Corporate Secretary at the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, CIPF. It is my pleasure to be your host today. Our topic is Leadership in Times of Crisis. With this pandemic, there was and still is so much uncertainty surrounding everyone's health and well-being, the global economic situation, and what will a return to work look like? At the same time, everyone is physically distant. There is no more FaceTime or small talk among employees. We became virtual employers and employees almost overnight. Today, we have with us two leaders who have been successfully leading their respective organizations through this time of crisis. My guests are Roseanne Rizal and Peter Routledge. Roseanne Rizal is the president and CEO at the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Peter Routledge is the president and CEO at the Canada Deposit Insurance Corporation. It is great to have you both on this podcast, Roseanne and Peter. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, Elena. So let's begin with this. During times of crisis, how do you convey confidence to depositors and investors? What have been some of the more effective ways that your organization has achieved this? Roseanne, why don't you lead us off with this question? Thank you. I think this is an ongoing challenge and CIPF is in the middle of an 18-month communication plan focused with content for advisors in our industry and also investors. Um, The goal of the plan is to explain as simply and in as accessible a manner as possible what CIPF covers and, and what it doesn't cover. Our primary means of communicating is our website, CIPF.ca, and we plan to launch a new mobile-friendly version of that early in the year. We link and try to extend our reach through the IROC website, through Securities Commission's websites, and other relevant sites that are visited by investors. Um, We receive queries by phone and online that we log and analyze to try and update our frequently asked questions. And we also monitor social media to ensure that correct information is circulating. Thank you, Roseanne. Peter, do you have anything to add from CDIC's perspective? So when we see confidence issues start to emerge, hopefully we see it earlier than most, and then we we ramp up our communications. And then most of our communications is just designed to remind Canadians who we are and what we do. I think critical for us is just to make sure that we, you know, the messages we convey are, are clear and reassuring and let Canadians know that CDIC has immense powers to promote financial stability and protect their deposits. In a normal course, we advertise every other week through uh, mainstream media, primarily through television. In crisis times, we'll start advertising every week and we'll double our targeted impressions by Canadians. So 
right after the onset of COVID-19, uh, we effectively quadrupled our mainstream media spend to let people know we're there. And the other thing we've done is uh, we've been pretty aggressive in experimenting with social media as a way to reach people. And what we're finding is the, uh, the intensity of the interaction with our brand is much higher on social media. So interesting, we were kind of surprised. We did right after the onset of uh, COVID-19, we did a public message and I, you know, I filmed it in my backyard and, and, and the message was basically, here's who CDIC is, here's how we protect your deposits. Relax, we got, we got you covered. And we, we used a whole bunch of social media platforms to get that message out and we had 400,000 views which is probably 40 times what we would normally get on a social media. So, you know, we learned a lot about crisis communications uh, in the early stages of COVID-19. Thank you, Peter. There are so many similarities between CIPF and CDIC in terms of the need to raise awareness during times of calm and also during times of crisis. Turning to our next question, which really focuses on the situation now with working from home, and today's virtual work environment. Peter, why don't we start with you? Have you made tweaks to your leadership style that you plan on adopting going forward? Tweaks isn't the, quite the word I'd use. I've over-indexed a couple of key leadership responsibilities as CEO. The first one is just, ironically, working from home is just visibility and availability to my team. So we've been doing pretty much weekly virtual town halls throughout this crisis where the entire corporation you know, has a, has a session with the CEO. Before virtual work sort of came into force uh, as a result of the pandemic, and I, that, those types of town halls would happen once every two or three months. The second thing I've over-indexed is just empathy. This is really hard for everyone it's hard because some of our colleagues are moms and dads with young kids. And now, you know, daycare simply wasn't available. So we had moms and dads doing two hours on, two hours, two hours working for CDIC, two hours being a mom or a dad. And the stress level went way up for those folks. And so we've kind of tried as best we can to put ourselves in our colleagues' shoes and to try and develop and promote work practices that offset stress, lower it, or make it more manageable uh, in the pandemic. And that starts with empathy. That starts with an ability to see in someone else's situation yourself, understand how you might feel, and then try and build a work culture that is uh, responsive to that. Thank you, Peter. I can say certainly at CIPF, uh, we've also experienced the town halls that, that you've been um, alluding to. And I'd love to hear from Roseanne in terms of any you know, changes or tweaks to your leadership style that you plan on adopting going forward, given this work from home environment. I think I'd echo um, Peter's comment about frequency and availability, accessibility. I think, you know, our normal management team frequency was once a week and all of a sudden at the beginning of COVID, we went to once a day. Um, last year, I'd already started a practice of writing notes that went to all staff about what gets discussed at management meetings. You know, it shouldn't be some big secret that um, creates a lot of gossip and, uh, 
and musing about what they could possibly be talking about. And I think that's worked well. And of course, as our meetings picked up frequency, so did those notes. So really tried to keep everybody in the loop that way and invited people to reach out and be in touch with myself or the other officers. Um, with respect to reaching out, I think the need for more scheduled touch points, I think all the informality of contact that happens in an office has to be replaced with things that you put on the calendar because everybody is working, you know, as Peter has observed on different schedules and with different priorities. So I think that's been an important one. And then I'd say an increased focus on content related to health and wellness. I think that for a lot of people, working remotely has been a positive for flexibility, but possibly, you know, a bit more of a negative in terms of, you know, the social interaction that we enjoy when we come together. So health and wellness, I think, has been another focus of a number of the sessions that we've done for our staff. Um, and last but not least, I, I always laugh and say, um, one of the most effective things is always humor. And um, our social committee has been great at doing a series of online social events that have engaged everybody and uh, given us a place to get together for a non-work related purpose. So we'll certainly continue to do those. Roseanne, I can certainly say as a person who has participated in those social committee gatherings that they have uh, been humorous and uh, have brought people together. Uh, thank you for that. Picking up on the concept of this crisis and you know, looking at one critical behavior or skill that has helped you lead effectively during this time. Uh, Roseanne, can you share your thoughts with our audience on that point? I think, again, I'd pick up on some of the comments that Peter made. I think focusing on individuals in a more holistic way. Uh, when we're all in the office, I think each person sort of comes through the door in the morning and makes that transition from their personal life to their work life which is not to say they're not authentic at work, they are, but there's at least that process of moving from one world to the other. Now we're using technology and we're going into everybody's living room or, or their bedroom or sometimes their garage or their car and people are juggling all kinds of different things. And I think that being mindful of that, um, it's a huge change. I think we each have a responsibility to be patient with each other and and realistic about the productivity and the timelines that we can ask of people. And certainly because we've now had the pleasure of coming through the summer, um, insisting that people take vacation and just unplug from the screen and take a mental health break. Um, even if all we can do is road trips these days, um, that's fine, but it's, it's not about working on a screen all day. And I think that element of, of just being mindful of everybody's individual needs on a more holistic basis is certainly something that I will be reminded of as we move forward. Peter, how about you? Is there one critical behavior or skill that you feel has helped you lead effectively during this crisis? Yeah, thanks. It's a great question. Uh, one thing I've always prided myself on is, as a leader, and this is something I consider a strength, is a behavior pattern that I characterize as radical transparency, radical honesty, radical candor. And by that, I just mean I connect with my colleagues on a personal level and in a truthful level. Um, there isn't a hidden agenda. And so 
you know, I find it psychologically draining to sit in front of a screen for eight hours a day and lead. You know, it's, it's very difficult to lead an image of a person represented in pixels. It's far easier to lead someone face to face and relate to them face to face. And so I've really struggled and strained with that. And so I've tried to be honest with my colleagues about that. And I've tried to say, well, here's how I coped. I, you know, there are days you simply can't get a meeting with me because I need a break from the box and I do heads down work. There are times in the day when I feel like it, where I just go grab a, a run or a bike ride for an hour or so just to clear the cobwebs, clear my mind. Uh, and get straight for the rest of the day. And I do that to protect, promote, enhance my own mental health. Not just about physical health, it's about mental health. Thank you, Peter. There's clearly a focus at both CDIC and CIPF on transparency, presence, and physical and mental well-being, which I think will be a positive holdover into the non-crisis world that we'll move into. You know, speaking of the box and video calls, Peter, can you comment on the role that technology has played during COVID-19 and the speed with which your organization transitioned to this new reality? Yeah, we, um, we were kind of lucky in that just before COVID arrived, or at least before we decided to move to a work-from-home strategy, we had a big snowstorm in the Ottawa and Toronto areas on the same day. And it was, gave us an opportunity to, um, this was in late February, and gave us an opportunity to test everything out. And we learned in that exercise that uh, the entire company could work from home and we could still get stuff done. And a few weeks later, when we realized the extent of community spread of the pandemic in Ottawa and Toronto, we found it quite easy to just simply shut the office down and work from home. And then what we've done subsequently is trying to leverage social media and online tools to address some of the, the costs that come from working from home, different kinds of stresses, different kinds of challenges. For example, onboarding employees, now it's kind of difficult. We are in growth mode at CDIC because we're worried about our, our membership and our operating environment, as any deposit insurer would be in a uh, economic shock like the one we've had over the last six months. And so we've had a particular challenge with indoctrinating our new hires into our culture. Uh, and we've leveraged technology to do that. We've leveraged online learning. We've leveraged meeting tools like this one. We're using in a virtual space to, uh, to connect ourselves to our new employees. And all in all, all, in all it's working out pretty well. Thank you, Peter. Roseanne, can you comment on the role that technology has played at CIPF and the speed with which our organization has transitioned? Yes, I, I think it's quite remarkable that we have the tools to do what we do today. Um, I remember Friday the 13th of March was that fateful day when it became evident that we would be working remote uh, the following week. And I think on the one hand, um, we had the benefit of an enterprise risk management process that anticipated needing to work remotely. Um, we had the more sort of routine implementation of one day a week work remote for many of our staff. 
Uh, so this was merely an extension of that. And I think that for the small number of staff who weren't properly equipped to work remote, um, they were given equipment very quickly so that early in the week, everybody was up and running. I think that now that technology is our primary tool for so many things, it's sort of back to the comments Peter was making about all the hours in front of the screen or the box. We use it for our daily work interaction. We use it to do our professional development, both as staff and, and for board members. Um, we're using it for just so many more reasons that I think screen fatigue is a real thing and uh, just something that we have to be mindful of so that we mix it up and remember that you know, when you're in the office, you get up and you go to the coffee room or you know, hopefully at home, you're walking a little bit further to your kitchen. Um, but there's all those informal interruptions that don't necessarily get replicated at home, or maybe they do, but they're different kinds of interruptions. So I think it's just a question of marrying up the, the efficiency of the technology with the fact that we're still human and our eyes need a rest and our bodies need to stretch and um, just grateful that we have the technology, but wow, you know, sort of treat yourself with kindness. Thank you, Roseanne. I think that's been a real common thread throughout the day today, treating others with kindness and ourselves and the concept of empathy. So thank you for that. Our final question, uh, which I'll turn to uh, Roseanne for to start us off, is what's been the most valuable lesson you've learned during this pandemic? I'd have to say it's that old phrase of be prepared. Um, I mentioned we have an enterprise risk management system. You know, that's a great chart of many, many things. But unless you actually practice it, unless you run drills and simulations, it really doesn't come alive. And I think when you have a situation like the one we've had in COVID, all those things have to come alive. And, you know, you start to understand where there might be gaps or things that need to be um, addressed. Um, our coverage is triggered by insolvency. Um, so we don't necessarily intervene in all the same ways that CDIC might. Um, but because it's driven by insolvency, whether we're working remotely or whether we're in the office, um, we all have to know whether it's staff or our board of directors um, or our regulators, what's expected of them and how they're going to go about affecting that. Um, so CIPF's very focused on providing simulations and scenarios to our staff and our board and our regulators so that everyone can be prepared. Thank you. Peter, you mentioned at the outset some pieces about crisis preparedness as well, and I think that's also been a common theme throughout the piece today. From your perspective, what has been the most valuable lesson you've learned during this crisis? The centrality and the fundamental importance of CEO to build resilience throughout the organization. Like CIPF, CDIC is a crisis organization. We, we sit in the fire hall and wait for the alarms to ring. And so when alarms ring intermittent, intermittently, as thankfully they do in the financial system, during normal times or peace times, you have to think of new and creative and unique ways to stress the organization in a obvious, in a pretend or simulated environment so that they're ready when the real bell does ring. And so at CDIC, I'm a relatively new CEO. I joined about two years ago. And for very good reasons, I decided to implement a transformational agenda. 
transform the culture, transform our risk environment, transform our technology platform. Probably the most important decision I made my first three months was rather than go sequentially through our transformational efforts to, to do them all at the same time and stress the organization uh, in, a, in a way it really hadn't been stressed before, or at least in, in the memories of the colleagues that were uh, with me at the time. And we simulated now the kind of stresses that are hitting the organization. And uh, we're in a much better place now to deal with what's coming at us over the next several years. The, the lesson for me was take active measures and, and take risks to build resilience, resilience in your organization in peacetime. So, uh, so you're ready to go in wartime. Thank you, Peter and Roseanne. Uh, some common themes and threads, being prepared, building resilience, visibility, empathy, kindness, well-being during this time of crisis. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you both today. Thank you again for joining us on this podcast. Thank you, Lana. Thanks, Lana. It was great to participate and hear all the great things you're doing at CIPF. We, we can learn a lot from you. Thank you, Roseanne and Peter, for joining us on this podcast and for offering your valuable insights to our listeners. I would also like to thank our listeners for their time and hope they found this discussion interesting. This is the second podcast in the CIPF podcast series. So if you haven't already done so, please listen to the first podcast in our series. And as always, we also welcome your feedback. Drop us a line on our website to let us know what you think or if there's a topic you'd like to hear more about. I'm Ilana Singer. Thank you again for joining us. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media to stay up to date on all CIPF podcasts. More information about the speakers and what we discussed today can be found in the show notes. Please note that this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to constitute advice of any kind. Thank you for listening.